Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. Glass is beautiful. That's what everyone thinks. Otis Eyewear's range features stunning mineral glass sunnies that transcend the boundaries between style, durability and sustainability. The world looks better through Otis Eyewear. Visit OtisEyewear.com. Alex Valera. And Redmayne makes the save. It's a save that means the world to Australia. It's a save that means the World Cup for Australia. Joy unbridled for Graham. Uh, yes, indeed. What a huge moment in the history, not just of uh, Australian football or soccer, whatever terminology you want to go with, but uh, in Australian sport in general, Australia qualifying for the fifth consecutive Football World Cup. It was Andrew Redmayne, the dancing wiggle on the line, but it was the genius, the masterstroke of the manager of the team, Graham Arnold, and uh, what a thrill to have you on the program, Arnie. I'm sure you're not sick and tired of listening to that bit of commentary, reliving that moment. What's the emotions now, almost a week and a half after the event? Congratulations and thanks for joining us. But how does that make you feel, having had time to truly ponder on it, mate? Thanks, Gilly. Um, mate, to be honest, I watched the penalties for the first time only about four nights ago. Because <laughs> I couldn't watch them live. Uh, I was uh, obviously, I, I, I left that to the assistant coach, Renee Molenstein, and I just sat on the bench. Um but uh, look, it's the adrenaline still firing through me. I'm 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 not sleeping that great, and it's just uh, you know it was such a draining um, you know World Cup campaign because it went for a thousand and seventy days, and obviously with uh, with COVID and that uh, lengthened that out. But uh, mate, to finish the way we did, it was uh, I was just so happy for the players. Yeah, indeed, and uh, I guess mate, to cut to the chase, you must have been personally thrilled uh, I mean there's so much I, I want to ask you about about the journey to get there and your journey to yeah. to then finally be standing on the sideline you, you know think back to 97 when you came on a couple of times as a sub in that dramatic you know disappointing sad moments of Australian football but um, the master plan how many truly knew about this uh, move to get Andrew Redmayne on and can, where was it first conceived and, and how many knew at the time? And I want to, I'll go one more question after you answer that. Yeah, look, Gilly, um, you know better than anyone, mate. It's uh, an elite sport or anything. Preparation and planning is the key. And, uh, you know, especially in those one-off playoff games, you've got to plan for every scenario. One, you know, the scenario of how you start the game, how you're going through the game. If you're down 1-0, uh, you know, to have a plan for that. If you're up 1-0 or 2-0, how you plan for that. But also, you know, if you get an extra time in penalty shootout, you need to plan for it. So, you know, we, uh, 
at the staff, we had a, obviously a meeting well before, and uh, you know I brought up the idea about um, if we go to a penalty shootout about Andrew Redmayne going in goals uh, because he's just so tall. He's one meter ninety five with his reach, and and you know he, he's prepared to you know do those antics uh, of a distraction for the penalty taker. And uh, look, I'll, I'll be honest with you. There's three. Four people that knew, myself, uh, John Crawley, Rene Mullins, Tony Assistant and Tony Vidmar. Uh, none of the players knew. Uh, Matty Ryan didn't know. Uh, Andrew Redmayne, we touched uh, base with him about uh, 10 days before when we first got into camp and uh, we got him to start studying the Peru penalty takers uh, just to make sure that uh, he was you know, uh, ready for that as well. So if you look at every penalty, he nearly guessed every every uh, way, uh, the right way. Um, and he did a great job, obviously, with John Crawley, um, you know, uh, being prepared for that. But uh, as I said, no one knew. And, like, if, if Matty Ryan had known before the game, that would have killed his whole 118 minutes and, you know, and, 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 and his game. So it's important for us to keep that very quiet. Well, that, that, that stuns me. The captain... Mate, the, what was the discussion? Your first discussion with him on the, I guess, on the sideline. Maybe it was just a, a big. Did he talk to you prior to the penalty shootout, Matt Ryan, Mate, as captain? No, no. Look, I have to say that uh, Matty took it so well because he didn't know. And when, like, when I was replacing him, he was looking towards the sideline, and he was like me, pointing like, <laughs> like, yeah, I'm coming off, and I was going, yep, yeah, thumbs up, come on, come off. And he, he reacted so well, and that's Matty Ryan. He's a he's a he's a great person, but he's a team team player. And that, uh, as long as we win, that's the most important thing. And he and as I said, he accepted ex- uh, accepted exceptionally well. But uh, when we're celebrating uh, straight after the final whistle, and everyone's running all over the place, Matty come over to me and said, "I would have saved the first one." <laughs> 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 and I said, "Oh yeah, I thought you would have." And uh, <laughs> But as I said, he, he accepted it very well. Oh, that, that's brilliant. I guess that's why they get these leadership positions, these guys. But you talk yeah. about the planning, Arnie. The, uh, it's not obviously the highlight. The big ticket item is Andrew Redmayne uh, and that massive uh, decision to substitute the captain out. But I think I'm writing saying three of the six penalty takers were also subs in the game that had come on. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, again... Um, just simply knowing the skills of the uh, at, at the disposal of the players you've got. Yeah, look, and uh, Gilly, we were like before the UAE game, which was you know five or six days before. It was a one-off uh, playoff game as well, and we had to be ready for penalty shootout. So we practiced it, you know, three days before the game. We practiced it the night before the game on the match stadium. So you have a familiar session. So when we took the boys there and, and we trained. You know, we, we practice. I, I did a, a, a little uh, fun drill in the centre circle on the halfway. And Renee was down, uh, he was at the penalty box, and the boys practiced the walk down. And we asked uh, FIFA which, you know, which end of the field that uh, we would be taking the penalty shootout. If it got to that, they told us down that, that left hand side from the bench. So we practiced, the, 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 every player practiced the walk down and practiced the penalties. and as I said, we practiced it twice before the UAE. We practiced it twice before the Peru game. And, uh, you know, so when we come to make those late substitutions, it was also a matter of 
who was a good penalty taker, not just a good player. Because I believe all of them are good players, but uh, and all of them would do, would have done a great job. But who was our best penalty takers? And Craig Goodwin, his first touch of the ball was a penalty. When he came on the 118th minute, he hadn't yeah. been in touch of the ball. So, you know, that was also part of the substitution plan as well. Yeah, uh, fantastic. And, of course, the planning, 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 that's it, isn't it? Uh, and preparation. Yeah. Of course, the, uh, the opposition, the Peru goalkeeper, does a bit of planning. Tell me this. Is there truth in this? He had his notes written on his water bottle and, of course, Redmayne, in between penalties, rips the notes off his water bottle and throws them away. Yeah, that's true. You know, you can see it clear. Um, yeah. That's Andrew Redmayne. You know, he's... Uh, What's he as like I as a character? Oh, great character. Well, I've always said that uh, goalkeepers are nutters and you have to be a bit of a nutter <laughs> to be a goalkeeper and he, he actually suits the, uh, the the goalkeeper mould very well. Um, <laughs> he, uh, <laughs> yeah, as I said, his antics, he's, uh, you know, he's just he's such a good guy and he's great to have in the dressing room because of his banter. The boys love him. As you saw, and uh, you know, but you know, just also the way he supported our penalty takers. It's a, a point a lot of people missed. You know, when mm-hmm. when Peru scored the penalty, he went and got the ball and he walked it up to our our penalty taker. Or oh, sorry, yeah, when Peru scored, and then uh, he walked the ball up to our penalty taker and just you know give our penalty taker a pat on the back and say, mate, you'll be right. You, you know, relax, mate. You've made your decision where it's going to go. Yeah, okay, just do it. And, you know, those type of things just, uh, as I said, relaxes the, 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 the person. And uh, he had a massive role to play. But uh, <clears throat> it's his attention to that detail though, as well, mm-hmm. though, Gilly. You know, we didn't tell him to look for the bottle or, you know, grab the bottle or, or throw it. He yep. saw it himself. He saw the, the goalkeeper have two bottles. One was a bottle of water and another bottle uh, that was like a Gatorade um, bottle a bigger yeah. bottle and had all the penalty takers and which way they went. And he saw him go and look at that after the uh, first penalty, second penalty. And that's when he went and grabbed it and chucked it in the crowd. So yeah. Um, yeah. it keeps attention to the detail as well. Yeah, I noticed he met the penalty taker from Peru on a few occasions and held the ball and then just dropped it about two metres away yeah. and made him go and fetch it. But <laughs> all the all yeah, the sportsmanship, exactly. gamesmanship, for the uninitiated, the the the, the the band of uh, football support, uh, supporters and followers of the Socceroos that jump on when you achieve these sort of things. Uh, does Andrew yeah. Redmayne command a spot in that squad legitimately as a, a, a backup goalkeeper to, to Matt Ryan or is he, is he there for penalties? No, 100%. He's, mate, he's yeah. a good keeper. And, uh, you know, I, I leave the selection of the goalkeepers to the goalkeeper coach, you know, John Crawley. He's the expert in that field. And... Yep. Uh, you know, I obviously I, I worked with Andrew at Sydney FC when I was there, and you know he's he's a he's a top goalkeeper, so he thoroughly deserves his position to be in the squad, not just based on penalties. Last one on this whole uh, the, the the penalty shootout and 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 that big courageous decision, lying in bed the night before the mind, I know uh, <laughs> personally from playing, and I know you you visualise you as you said you prepare for yeah. all these different scenarios. Did you at any point have any doubt about the theory around this uh, exchange of goalkeepers? No, I didn't. Um, as I said, Matty's a great goalkeeper. Uh, just Redmayne gives you probably with the, you know, his height and his arm, when he extends his arm reach, probably you know, an extra 800 millimetres you know, and, uh, on Matty. And uh, yep. 
you know, as I said, Matty's a top goalkeeper, mate. And it's just uh, it was something that I settled on and knew, knew 100% I was going to do. And the ironic thing, uh, Gilly, was I got the day of the game, I got Mark Schwarzer and uh, John Aloisi and Mele Yednak to uh, do a video, um, you know, about, you know, the focus on the game and, and the roles. Yeah. And Mark Schwartz had told the story about how in 2005 he was going to get replaced by uh, Goose Hiddink uh, for Zelko Kalach uh, against, uh, against Uruguay in the penalty mm-hmm. shootout. And I was assistant yeah. coach and I can confirm that was going to happen. And Schwartz had said, but, you know, and then I looked up and I saw that, uh, uh, you know, that uh, Brett Emerton come off, the sub had been made, so I had to stay on and I had to let it go. And the full focus was on qualifying Australia for the, uh, for the World Cup. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, no, don't do this to me tonight. <laughs> it was like, it was like uh, you know, the, the, the story had already been written. But as the game went on, you know, and the players were fatiguing, mm-hmm. I just, you know, with about just into extra time, I thought this is going to penalties for sure. So, you know, once that starts going into your brain, and those those type of decisions are made easier because of the pre-planning rather than the rash decision. Yeah, yeah, no, it was um, certainly a master stroke, and you know, love it when a plan comes together. But I mean, obviously, there could have been backlash if it didn't. Um, you, you, <laughs> I, I read you, yes, yeah, <laughs> I think people might have noticed. But it, as I say, congrats to you for the courage to and conviction to do it. Um, I read a really uh, nice article. Uh, just within the week since this um, amazing uh, match was was completed, you, you mentioned a, a quote about a, a bloody good mate of mine, one of my best friends, Justin Langer, about the how lonely it can yeah. be coaching national teams, yeah. and and you said it really resonated with you. I guess the blowtorch mm. must have been extremely warm leading into that match. Yeah, look, I, when I uh, I went to Lords one time and, and uh, when I was over in the UK and, and Justin caught up with Justin and Steve Waugh and and uh, you know and we had a good chat and we stayed in touch ever since and you know when he was going through a difficult period it's uh, you know whether it's right or wrong I, I thought it was unfair because it was you know the guy just won a World Cup for God's sake and 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 won a uh, and you know won the Ashes. That everyone, you know, especially in Australia, the most important, pretty much test matches ever. And uh, Justin done a fantastic job. And and you know, it was, uh, you know, I saw, I read an article that Justin did, and, and it was more around how lonely it was being the national team coach, but also the effect that it has on the family and uh, the wife. And uh, you know, it's uh, it really resonated with me because it is lonely. You know, there's, um, <clears throat> you know. A lot of people and a lot of even the organisation they don't understand how difficult it is that you know to be put under that scrutiny all the time, but also spending so much time away on your own, you know, locked in. When I say locked in your room, you're stuck in your room on your own. Um, you know, you're picking up the phone and making phone calls back to the family and all that type of stuff. And it and it does get really lonely at times. And it's it's only when you have the good moments that you know you really feel supported. Uh, when you're not having a good time, so you, you don't feel that support at all. And uh, as I said, I, I went through obviously the, the period with COVID, and I was stuck away for seven and a half months to get this done. And uh, I had many, many days where I did feel very lonely. And uh, as I said, with Justin 
you know, I, I texted him and we, we stayed in contact and, you know, he's uh, he's been a great support for me. Yeah, he's certainly that. His, uh, his care for, for other people is um, always on obvious display. You mentioned COVID. Uh, 16, I think, right, 16 of the 20 qualifying games were, were offshore. So, and, and at times yeah. you were literally locked in your rooms, weren't you, due to COVID. So, um, but what about the, you know, learning from that? From Who of the, the national managers or coaches that you had in your playing days? Was there anyone in particular that influenced your mindset as a manager of young men and, 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 and has that philosophy had to change, do you feel, in your mind as you move into the more modern world? Oh, 100%, Adam. You know, like uh, in the old days when I was playing, it was dictatorship. You just, you know, you got told what to do and if you didn't do it, you wouldn't play and you, and you copped verbal abuse and, and all that. And it's just a different society these days and unless you change with it, well, then you, know, then you won't be coaching. Um you know, if I learned off, Eddie Thompson was a great manager, man manager. You know, he was, uh, you know, he, he was actually like a father figure. And I, I took that um, when I first started like that. And then, but then I had Goose Hitting and, uh, when I was assistant to Goose. And he was, his attention to detail, and that's what we're talking about in the planning, was incredible. And... You know, I was, I'd never seen anyone like it that just he had every scenario uh, ready. And uh, and I learned that off him as a, as a man manager. And, and you can ask all the boys who played for him. <clears throat> I don't reckon he had probably one conversation with the player. It was more about do it, do it this way or not at all. Uh-huh. But uh, the one I learned in time uh, that on how to treat people and, and how to get the best out of people was Pim Bake. He was uh, truly, he was amazing. You know, and anyone that played under Pim loved him. You know, even he started to, you know, every time someone played and scored a goal, he'd send him a text. And his <laughs> communication, and he used to sit there and say to me, uh, you know, his belief on, uh, on his way of coaching is all about communication. And and that's the best way to, for, to man manage people and get the best out of people. And also asking questions about family and, and knowing what the, the individual's personal life is about because if the personal life is affected, well, that'll affect the professional uh, side of his life. And, if, sure. and on the other side, if, if the professional side is not going well, well, that, that, that hurts the uh, personal side. So he was one of those uh, guys that uh, knew everyone's personal life as well, and I've, and I've really really taken with that, uh, especially over the last probably 10 years that uh, wherever I have coached or that, I really am really a father figure to the players where, you know, I'm always communicating with them, making sure they're they're mentally okay and and, uh, managing them in the way that I know that I'll get the best out of them. Yeah, well, father-in-law figures to some. Um, Mate, the the philosophy, I love that. I, I mean... Uh, Pim Verbeek, 2010 World Cup, took the, the yeah. team there. Um, that philosophy of family and, and, and knowing your player really well. Yeah. You yourself, yeah. uh, or just looking across at the AFL at the moment, there's a, a profile player, Jordan Dugowie, with Collingwood, has had a few off-field issues, got himself in trouble overseas in New York uh, in the off-season, has just whipped up to Bali when they had the bye and drew a bit of uh, attention to himself through social media usage and, and so on. But 
yeah. he talks about being diagnosed with ADHD and, and he's obviously got yeah. what he is accepting as some issues away from football that he needs to try and get a balance on. You yourself, yeah. um, you, you struggled. I, I read your quote, went off the rails a bit when you lost your mother at, a, at, at too yeah. early an age for, for, any, for, you know, for her to pass and for you as a, a young man yeah. and, you, and you walked away from soccer and, and even cricket and all your sporting loves. Um, I guess that journey for you and that, that self-development and, and that you had to learn, that must ring true to you now as, as not so much when you were playing but more so now as a manager? Yeah, look, um, one of the hardest things I've had to do since, since I've been in, in this job, uh, Gilly, was the night after we got beat by the UAE in the Asian Cup, I had to go and knock on Awan Mabil's door and tell him his sister had just been killed in a car accident. And, you know, I had to, uh, you know, not that I had to, and then I then, the, the kid fell to the ground. And, like, it was something that I've never, ever seen in my life, but I'd had the experience of when my mother died, knowing how how hard it hurts, and uh, you know, and I, I sat with Mabil all night with him, uh, and even FaceTimed his mother, who was in Kenya at the time, and broke the news to her. And it was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. And then I went to the funeral down in in uh, South Australia, um, uh, and Mabil wanted me to come up on the um, um, up on the stage at the church to, for his eulogy and, and, you know, and it was so tough. But, yeah. you know, as a coach these days, uh, the understanding of those, you know, that, those type of things is, is so important because you know, they're, 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 they're kids, mate, and, you know, they don't have much of a life anymore. You know, you're, you're talking about these different, different uh, AFL players and that, you know, with social media. Social media has basically taken away any type of social life for elite sportsmen or, or any celebrities in any way, and and these you know these these players, you know they can't really go out and do much because you know these, these you know mobile telephones are cameras and video cameras as well, and that's stuff that I warn the players about. I still have to remind players about you know about doing that. But you know, getting back to your question, it's 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 about making sure that the players are aware of all that stuff but also caring for them, that they, that they really know what's in line if something like that happens. Yeah, indeed. There's a, a lot. You need to educate them early, don't we? Because it just it, it yeah. traps them. It, and you're spot on. I can't think of what your phones were around in in my day and, and our day and your day. It's, uh, but, but uh, I don't mate, mean that I, in a way I, that we were... I'm just so grateful they weren't around in my days. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when I was well, yeah, I agree, mate, and and not that necessarily we're doing things that were illegal or anything else anyone else nah. wasn't doing, but just the the thought that you can actually relax when you're meant to be relaxing, yep. truly. Yeah, and that's it. You know, like these players these days can't go to a pub and have a beer. You know, they can't can't do that. They're, you know, they're they're pretty much. You know, I think, you know, and I've said this to the PFA, uh, you know, in football here in Australia, is that, you know, this mental, with the mental health side of things, a lot of it is based around when they're not playing, they can't even go out. So they, you know, when they're not playing, they're at home, they're looking at four walls and they're, you know, and so, you know, they're there to play and, and they're not getting games and it really knocks them for six. And then when they do play or when they're having success, 
they can't go out and socialise. They can't go to you know anywhere without you know without social media, uh, you know, catching them or, or, or taking photos and all that stuff, and yeah. it, it makes it really hard on them. So their life becomes just fully, you know, just full on football or cricket or yeah. whatever it is, and and no other. You know, they don't have another part of life. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, the, and the cynic will say, if they're not doing anything wrong, they won't get themselves into trouble. But it's not that. It's it's the constant ask requests for photos and send a video message yeah. to a friend or my, 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 my parents or something. But it's yep. relentless. So, yeah, I, I, I want to get back to this, um, the World Cup journey, not in a, a reflective yeah. manner, but looking ahead to it. What, what's going to be a, a pass mark at the World Cup? Of course, two times and, and current defending champions, France, Denmark and Tunisia in uh, what looks like a very tough group. Yeah, look, people are already naming it the group of death. Well, I, I call it the group of opportunity because, yeah. you know, no one will probably expect us to do much again. And, uh, in, in, you know, in my you know lifetime of, of these type of World Cups, the, the you know, the bigger teams always start slow. And, you know, France, the, the reigning champions, no one's ever won it two in a row. And, uh, you know, they'll probably underestimate us as normal. And uh, we'll go out there and, and really give it a great crack because in 2018, I was in the crowd. I was a fan when I just took over and I went over to watch the boys play in Russia. And France was there for the taking. We lost 2-1. Uh, mm-hmm. We got back to one all, But it was like we went on the, on the field and, and, you know, we went out there trying not to lose. And, you know, I've never, ever believed that is a way... And setting a team up anyway, but you know we're going out, you know, uh, in every game, you know, with with the mentality to win. And uh, you know, I think France in the past, all all those big nations always start slowly because they're 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 looking at the final. They're looking at they're they're, they're taking it step by step to get to the final. Well, you know, for us, we'll go out there in the first game against France. You know, Tunisia are a, are a decent side. I think that we can do something with them as well. And Denmark, you know, last game, we, uh, last in 2008, we drew with them 1-1. So yeah. they're, they're the games that we can do something special in. And, and, you know, I do think that, you know, with that Aussie DNA and that determination, we can get out there and, and uh, get, uh, you know, really make the nation proud. Oh, indeed. And, and of course, that 2018 World Cup you mentioned, Peru were the other team, ironically, that were in that group, yeah. weren't they? And that was a 2-0 yeah. defeat to Peru. So it got past them. So that's a, another positive step and another opportunity to yeah. progress. What, mate, what about the, um, what this, we, we saw it in, in 2005, what it did for the game in this country. It ignited it. It, it, it got everyone on board. And, and whilst we've con- qualified for for the sort of consecutive World Cup since. Do you see this as another of those landmark opportunities for the sport here? I really do. Because, um, <clears throat> you know, I think we shocked a lot of people by qualifying, but there was all these, you know, certain reasons behind how our qualification um, uh, tra- uh, pathway went. But, you know, I, I truly think that after COVID, COVID is, you know, it, it disconnected the whole country. You know, states were doing whatever they wanted. Different states had different uh, lockouts and lockdowns. And and it was like the nation was divided by six or seven, you know, and and we weren't all together as one. But I truly believe that, uh, you know, there's not many sports in Australia that that is worldwide 
and, and connects the whole of the country together. And I truly believe that the Socceroos do do that every four years. AFL fans, rugby league fans, cricket fans all become football fans uh, just for those couple of weeks. And I, I, I truly think that, uh, again, that after this COVID and what we've been through, the, what the country's been through, this is a great way to reunite the country. Yeah, I can't wait to, to, for the journey as it uh, continues on. Your, your squad, obviously, um, that, that 23 or the group of players that achieved uh, qualification, there's no certainties for them. They scatter off to their own clubs. When do you need to finalise the squad? And do you have any sort of update on uh, a guy that of, of all the players in and around currently playing that has as big a profile in the game here in Australia, albeit he plies his trade overseas? Tom Rogic, he had to, or he pulled out just before these last yeah. playoffs. Um, update on him and, and, and when is that squad finalised? The squad will be finalised really 14 days before our first game. So, you know, as I said, wow, the boys late. after, yeah, after we qualified, it's now a clean sheet of paper. Um, you've done the job to qualify us, but now it's, uh, you now have to perform and go back to your clubs and work hard and be the fittest you've ever been and, and get match minutes and make sure that uh, you're ready for this. And, and it's up to you to get your name on that sheet of paper because we've, uh, you know, we've got some good young kids coming through. Uh, some of the Olympic boys I, I had in, in Tokyo and, uh, you know, so it's now up to them to get their, their name on that sheet of paper. So we've got, uh, as I said, 14 days before, so it's uh, around um, the start of November that we have to settle on the squad. Reed Tommy, um, I haven't spoke to him since uh, the Peru game. Uh, Tommy was obviously my main concern is just Tommy and the family, mate. You know, at this moment in time, uh, you know, he pulled out for personal issues or personal reasons. I don't know what they were. He didn't confide in me with them, uh, even though we've had a we've got a great relationship. But the, you know, the most important thing that him and his family are okay. And uh, you know, and when we when, when he's ready to have that discussion, we'll have that discussion and then move forward. Uh, well, it'll be an exciting journey, no doubt, for all of them. Mate, uh, there's so much uh, I'd like to cover off with you, but I don't want to hold you up uh, any longer, mate, other than saying um, congratulations, buddy. And, and as just have a, uh, being someone who we all followed through your playing days, uh, and, and when that 2005, I mean, those players often spoke about the generation before who was so near but so far away yeah. uh, of qualifying for the World Cup to see you go and achieve that now in your own right as, as a manager of the national team and the passion and care you obviously have on display for your players. It's wonderful. It's a great journey that for us all to, to be a part of and we can't wait to see it play out, mate. Thanks so much for joining us here on the Friday Focus. Thanks, Gilly, and, uh, mate, that journey will continue. So uh, we've still got the main part of that journey in front of us, which is fantastic. Thank you for listening to In Focus with Adam Gilchrist, brought to you by Otis Eyewear. The world looks better through Otis Eyewear. See the range at otiseyewear.com. Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 91.